everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Roost Podcast. As always, I am Carter Spires, here with my co-host Matthew Bartlett, the founder and managing editor of The Roost, your premier source for Rice Sports news and analysis. Well, the good news is that Rice has played a football game, and is scheduled to play another one on Saturday, so looking good so far in terms of, of, of games happening. It's better than some can say. Yeah. Uh, the bad news is we're we're all going to be hearing the phrase quadruple doink in our nightmares for, oh, I don't know, four years. What, what did we? Uh, One we year went on per a, doink. Yeah, yeah, that was what we said. On, we were on uh, To the Top Talk uh, with with Jason and Jamie for Southern Miss earlier this week. And uh, yeah, I think that was what we came to, right? It was one year per doink. Yeah, it's either that or the ball is actually still bouncing between those uprights. <laughs> uh you know it wouldn't be college football without a little bit of ptsd sprinkled in right like i feel like that, yeah. that comes with the territory little casual casual trauma <laughs> oh man so maybe everything is normal in 2020 after all as strange as it's been well yeah so we got that that game to break down uh we got a little bit of our unconference usa we got the southern miss game on deck, so we have all those things. Uh, a couple things off the top. Uh, wanted to plug real quick some of Carter's work, actually, that's gone up on Patreon this week and last week, the film room pieces. Um, if you watch the Middle Tennessee game and you got, you know, the end of a football game and, and Rice doesn't win, you kind of got bummed. Uh, we have some good news. So you should <laughs> go check out the film room. There was actually, and we're going to get into it in more detail, uh, but uh, I want to say thanks, Carter, for putting that together. There's a lot of more information in there and insight that, you know, there was a lot of good that we can take away from from this game and hopefully we'll translate into the next week. Yeah, appreciate it. And I, I definitely, I actually did get the time this week to to pull up a the game on YouTube and and kind of basically rewatch the whole thing. And my ultimate takeaway from doing that and and then doing the film room subsequent is that I I, I don't feel as bad, especially about the defense and in, obviously in particular about the secondary as I did in the immediate aftermath of the game. So you know, hopefully we'll have a little little optimism to share with you as we 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 go over that one. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, on the preview note, and I guess recap note while we're at it, uh, if you hadn't seen yet, I posted on social, it's been on social media and on the website, but uh, Rice is uh, graciously uh, partnered with myself and, and Taylor McCarg, and, and we've watched the Inside the Hedges live show. Uh, it's going to be Wednesday nights at 7, so that'll be, uh, we'll have been just missed it if you're listening to this podcast before the Southern Miss game, but you can, uh, if you go actually go to the podcast page, on the Roosh website at theroosh.com slash podcast. You can find a link there or just go find anywhere on social media. Taylor and I breaking down seven o'clock on the dot every every week. The the game that was and kind of a look forward uh, to the game ahead. And that one's we're trying to keep that one a bit bit more concise, about 30 minutes. So you can uh, knock it out one digestible piece. If you want the deep dive, that is what Carter and I have <laughs> you covered for. So uh, the the bite size version and then uh, the encyclopedia. And I believe that post uh, once those episodes are done, I believe the recordings are still on the the Rice Athletics YouTube channel. I think yes, so, it was right there. So you can uh, go you can go back and look and see what we said <laughs> about Middle Tennessee. I guess you could do that for the podcast, too. You're welcome to hold this to us. We, we know that. Yeah, we put this out mean, in the ethers and it's there. <laughs> it never really goes away, so. <laughs> Yeah, so we that's uh, that's about it. As always, uh, do rate, review, and subscribe. It, it helps people uh, hear about the podcast and gives uh, Carter and I some opportunities to get out and, and talk about rice, like we mentioned with the guys to to the top talk and Southern Miss and and whatnot. So helps us get the rice name out there and and get more content out for you guys. So please do that. And then I think that's it for housekeeping and things we need to plug. We will get into Middle Tennessee. I guess we have a, a last couple of things we should mention. Uh, going around Conference USA, I so you know peek be, peel behind the curtain, right? We put this show doc together that kind of has our notes guiding us. Of it's it's not terribly detailed, but it's detailed enough that you know this is the general <laughs> things we want to talk about. Uh, we have been known to ramble, but I put it together, and my first bullet point on the uh, Conference USA portion was no Conference USA game, no Conference USA games postponed in week eight with three exclamation points. 
because I thought that was a pretty good factoid. And we're recording this on Wednesday night, and we have had two games postponed for week nine already. So Rice came back, and everything worked. And then everybody else messed stuff up. Yeah, poor UTEP. Things are things are not looking great in El Paso right now. Uh, so. Did you see the, the Twitter fight? I don't know if it was ADs. I think, you know, some of the coaches weighed in at one point. It was, it's been kind of funny. For North Texas and UTEP? Yeah, so apparently, so things are not going well with COVID, as you mentioned, in El Paso. And there's been all sorts of local ordinance and things going on there. So the University of North Texas told UTEP, hey, we don't feel comfortable coming to El Paso. So how about y'all come to, to Denton? We'll even pay for you to come to Denton, to which UTEP said, uh, no, thank you. And so now it's kind of like a all of the North Texas people like we were so reasonable. We offered to pay. And all the UTEP people were like, but it's supposed to be in El Paso. And it's just it's peak like junior high girl Twitter. Just like they're flailing at each other. Yeah, and it's accomplishing nothing. But it's kind of funny. Yeah, it's, uh, it's like watching two awkward, wimpy middle schoolers try to beat each other up on the playground. Mm. It's, it's exactly what's <laughs> happening right now. Which, you know, we've we've Rice has had the good and bad of how they've approached things so far. So far, I have not seen Joe Carlgard <laughs> in any Twitter spats. And I, something tells me I probably won't. No, no, not not really his style. Uh, anyway, speaking of wimpy, one team in CUSA that is decidedly not wimpy is Marshall, who uh, is now ranked. Yeah, rank Marshall, a conference USA team. It happened. Doesn't happen a lot. And they might. I mean, first, they're not playing this weekend, so I guess they probably won't go down. Maybe. I don't know. But uh, long term, you know, they got that win over Appalachian State. And I think we're all long. Who knows? Right. Once what, what bowl season yeah. is going to look like. Uh, but so far, I mean, this is a five and zero Marshall team that's won a lot of games really comfortably. And if they get a. You know, beat a a UAB team or a uh, yeah what a seven and one. What can Rice get to seven and one, six and one? What what? However the math works yeah. out, they get a couple more wins under the belt. You know, they they got a shot at a uh, at playing on a New Year's Six bowl, which is would be nice for I I don't think yeah they're probably the going to need Cincinnati to stumble a couple of times uh, and and because you probably don't want even like a one loss AAC champion fighting you for that spot. But I mean, if things break their way, like this is a really good team. Like, I mean, I, I think we mentioned it. Uh, I said something when, when we did the pod after that game, but um, I, this is not the app state team of maybe as their best teams since they've jumped up to FBS. But I mean, still app state. <laughs> yeah. Like that's as good of a statement win over another G five program as uh, I feel like a CUSA team has had in a while. So wait, um, so question. I'm not debating. Well, actually, I am debating it. Is it more impressive that Marshall beat App State or that what Louisiana Tech and FIU beat Miami? Oh, definitely more impressive. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe if they had beaten this year's Miami, which seems to be like decent at least, like. Obviously, they couldn't hang with Clemson, but like they seem to be doing OK in other respects. But uh, yeah, no, last year's Miami team. I'm not giving I'm not giving you too big of a trophy for that one. No. Oh, man. So but yeah, we'll we'll see. You know, they're the only only conference USC team ranked at the moment. And I I mean, UAB's at four and two now. So I don't I don't envision them having a real chance to be ranked, even if they yeah. run the table compared to everything else that's going on. But, you know, that is what it is. We have one really good Conference USA team. You know, going back to all the way back to the offseason, you know, all of one week ago, for Rice at least, when we (laughs) talked about there was a bunch of teams that were just kind of meh in this conference, and nobody really stood out too far on the other ways, on the extremes. I think we can say that Marshall is at the front of the pack pretty clearly, and the bottom of the pack is probably FIU. So yeah, 0-3 and not with, going. With the dubious distinction of having this year's first so far only, and probably only period, because I don't know how many FBS versus FCS games are left, because barely 
the FCS teams that were oh, playing that's true. Are, are basically done. So this might be the only FCS over FBS win this year. That's not good. Yeah, not a, not a great while, distinction. <laughs> while we're at it, Western Kentucky, I don't know if you, you caught this game. I didn't catch all of it. I caught the uh, controversy at the end. So Western Kentucky beat Chattanooga by a field goal. But Chattanooga, at the end of the game, took the kickoff back for a touchdown. Would have won the game, but the referees say the returner called for a fair catch in the end zone. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Oh. You, which, go go Google it and find it. But it was one of those, like, really? Yikes, Western Kentucky. Yeah, so. The Bowling Green Illuminati really fixed that one for you, didn't they? I I would just hey they they gotta win and I would like one of those yeah but, yeah that's fair I'll take I'll take everyone blaming the officials for my victory Do, does the UTEP principle ap- apply here a win's a win's a win yes but you know hopefully the El Paso theorem <laughs> the El Paso theorem and then combined with uh, I guess the astrophysics bounce analysis if we. <laughs> If we yeah. want to step into to oh. Middle Tennessee. So I thought this was I was. So as this was happening, I was like, this is impossible. And I was like, you know what? Rice Twitter. Somebody can do the math. <laughs> and then lo and behold, we have the math is here. Yeah. Uh, m- much love to Adolfo for that calculation, which. uh <laughs> I- if if I was once capable of, of of pulling that kind of approximation out of my out of my head, I am far too far too long removed from my my physics degree to to have done it on my own. So uh, good job on that one, but yeah. So uh, Adolfo Carvalho, Carvalho, Carvalho. There you go. He uh, Roost podcast guest. Uh, from a couple weeks ago, we talked. What do what do we talk? We start talk Star Wars with him during the off season, mm-hmm. and track, and who knows what else. We we got through a lot, uh, but anyhow, uh, I sent him a message on Twitter. And I said uh, sent him the uh, the video of the the now infamous quadruple doink, and I said, "What are the odds?" And he starts going on. Uh, you can probably go find it. It starts going on. It's been tagged in the film room actually. So go look there. Yeah, I and, liked it. Uh, <laughs> And uh, did the math, and he said there's about a one in three million chance of a football bouncing and hitting all four, well, hitting the upright, the crossbar, the upright, and the crossbar again, which that feels generous. Yeah. Which yeah. My, my point there was then, okay, so if it's one in three million chance that it happens, and you attempt, what do we want to say, like four field goals a game? On average, both teams like, I don't know, that feels pretty good. And you play what? How how many games? You know, I want to do the math and say, OK, <laughs> this <laughs> this now should be a once every, you know, 86. You, you, you know that we had the 100 year flood in Houston and then we yeah. had it again in like three years. <laughs> like, is that going to happen here? Hold on, I'm Googling how many I'm going to see if I can do this calculation. How many total FBS football games are played each year? Because then we might be we might be able to ballpark this. <laughs> this would be great. So yeah, w- while you're doing that, uh, <laughs> if you if you missed the game, uh, most of it is is worth going back to rewatch. You can skip the end, of course. Uh, Rice kicker Colin Riccatelli uh, puts a uh, I think I believe it was 48 yard field goal that uh, bounced <laughs> bounced four times and uh, and hit the turf which is which is crazy and and as we get into this I th- I think it's really interesting because I was kind of processing uh as as I'm sitting in the press box and I and I'm watching this and you know I'll I'll peel back and and let you guys a, a little bit of a secret I'm kind of playing both sides of, of the fence as I'm kind of writing up my post game recaps and notes I have my notes and things that I want to talk about regardless and then I have like the hey if rice wins you know, put this in here. And if Rice loses, put this in here. I'm sitting there watching it and I'm just like, I feel like most of my analysis was pretty much the same in a positive direction. And then there was this one random bounce. Which did we figure out how many uh, games we're working with? Yeah, if I'm if I'm ballpoint. So there's 130 teams at FPS that play 12 games a year. 
multiply that out and half it because they mostly play each other. Add, well, factoring in FBS, F, FBS games, you'd have to count that out individually. But it should be roughly like... 800? Yeah, 800-ish games a year, if I'm doing that right. So uh, if we say maybe five total field goal attempts a game, that'd be 4,000 field goal yeah. attempts a year. And then... So three... this so this would happen roughly once every 750 college football seasons. No, that's if you, right. If you divide three million <laughs> by four thousand, so yeah, <laughs> that's hideous. College this football has existed for about twenty uh, percent of that time. So, <laughs> so we have another six hundred years before. <laughs> Hopefully, I don't know if that's supposed to make me feel better or worse. Forgotten by then. <laughs> that is amazing. Oh man, it's gonna take. I'm gonna. I don't know if I can recover from that. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't. I have no idea if that makes you feel better or worse. I mean, if I'm Colin Riccatelli, it's it's got to make me feel a little bit better. Like, surely it won't bounce out again. <laughs> And I feel I feel really bad, really bad for Colin because that kick like for for my record of like my non important kicking opinions, we have Jack Fox, the official kicker punter extraordinaire uh, of the Roost podcast slash the punter conclave. He, he can be the authority on that. But in my view, if you hit the upright, like you at least know what you're doing. Yeah, well, I, I've seen plenty of people suggest that if you if you manage the quadruple doink, you should automatically win the game, which, frankly, I agree with, even in the absence of how how it affects Rice. So. I, I think that this is more reason to award points per upright hit. So if you go through, that's three points. That should be the goal, but it'd be kind of like a consolation. Like if you hit yeah. an upright, you get a point. If you hit two, you get two points. Like they'd be very rare yeah. events. But it would make things so much more interesting. Like if you triple doink and then after, like, say it goes it goes upright, upright crossbar. If it then trickles over and is good after it hits the crossbar, that should be worth six points. So we've invented the six point play that's not a touchdown. Yeah, it's wait. This is, so uh, so in our hypothetical, the, pinball, the ruling, pinball version of football, if Riccatelli's kick had then gone in, he would get a point for all four bounces and then going through. So he would yeah, have kicked the touchdown. Seven point field goal. Yeah. So what you're telling me is Riccatelli was like one bad bounce away from being the greatest kicker in college football history. Yeah, seems seems correct to me. Makes sense. And then he goes up and he has another, the other kick in overtime. And it, I couldn't tell. The snap looked pretty good. I don't know if it was like a loose hold or what was going on, but I think his kick was fine. I think there was an issue on the, the transfer there. So, uh, uh, yeah, I watched a little bit of the the Rice Owls insider that, that JP does. And he had Bloom on there for a little bit, for like the first 10 minutes. And Bloom said it was the snap, apparently. So, oh, the best kicker or best snapper in Conference USA? Yeah, I know. We got we to gotta stop bragging on him. We jinxed him, apparently. Yeah, we got to tell Jack. Uh, you know, it was just one of those <laughs> things. After you have a quadruple duck, a quadruple doink, your luck is clearly, it's just not working out for you. So yeah. that was the downside of the game. There was a lot of different ways we can go, and we do want to get in Southern Miss, so we're not going to stay here all night. Uh, but I think we probably need to start with Mike Collins. Yeah. Um, you know, there were there were good things and bad things. On the whole, I think you have to come out of it encouraged, um, even factoring in the big mistakes. That was probably about as good, if not better, of a quarterbacking performance as we've seen from a rice quarterback. Like I, I would say during the Bloomgren era, but frankly, the stretch of bad rice quarterbacking goes back two or three years beyond that. So I, I mean, I certainly don't know how long it's been since a rice quarterback threw four touchdowns in a single game. So 2016 Prairie view. Ah, what was that? Tyler Staling? Uh, I think so. Yeah, that sounds right. So it's been a while. Um, I, th I thought for the most part, he did a good job of, you know, we talked all offseason about desperately wanting the quarterbacks to just 
make the easy plays well when they're there. And he, for the most part, did that. He had one bad miss on a... God, I can't remember what it was. It was it was sometime in the third or fourth quarter where uh, he had Jumon kind of like a swing pass out of the backfield on like third and eight and just sailed it on him. And they would have converted that easy because he had all kind of daylight in front of him. But he basically hit most of the others and then was off, um, particularly on the deep ball in the first first quarter, first quarter and a half or so. Um, and it was frustrating at first. And, you know, I liked that they adjusted to basically get him some easier throws to get him in rhythm and get the offense going. Um, and then he did obviously was able to convert some longer ones later in the game, none bigger than the fourth and 24, which is a great throw and a great catch. So, um, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to add the, 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 the deep ball was, was something that we knew he had the arm strength to do. I thought it was interesting that at the end of the first half, they were right around roughly 45 ish yard line, right in front of midfield and with really no time left. And they let, Collins go ahead and just chuck it up into the end zone and he sailed it all the way 50 yards in the air to the goal line and it got tipped up in the air and for a second I was like Ugh, that would have been really nice to cash in on so like the arm is there his interception in the, in the first half he overshot the guy by like eight yards it was just it was not not very accurate uh, at all and then actually on the the game not game winning but could have been game winning go ahead I'll say touchdown drive at the end he hits Austin Trammell on the fourth and 24 they took deep shots uh on the second down play and the third down play one of them was to Andrew Mason mm -hmm. and then I think I don't remember who who was the the pass in front of him maybe it was another shot to Trammell uh, but he had receivers open on second and third down that he just missed and overthrew uh but he hit on fourth down so if you as long as you get one of them and move the chains, it works. So the arm is definitely there. The accuracy deep, I, I you know, it's kind of a work in progress. Uh, but you will live with them if they fall out of harm's way and not into defenders' hands. Yeah, that's like usually if you're gonna miss a deep ball, you want to miss it long. Um, obviously that that's what happened on the interception, and it didn't go well. The answer there is probably not to throw into double coverage unless you uh. You, you feel very confident in your ability to get it down there. Um, the thing I saw on a lot of those deep balls that, like, he was definitely off, but it also just, I don't know, it goes back a lot to the, the, the issues they've been having with the receivers. Because one thing I think they're really lacking right now is a guy who can get consistent separation down the field. Like, I think Jake Bailey is really quick. In short spaces, he's he's pretty good at getting open underneath. He's he's pretty good with the ball in his hands, but I don't know that he is. And I'm not sure. I like it's frustrating from the TV copy of this game in particular because, um, you know, I don't know if they had fewer cameramen than usual or if the the camera wells in Rice Stadium were just not that well placed to begin with. But uh, there are a lot of like really weird tight angle shots and you can't normally see a lot of the secondary and deep routes on a, a TV version of a college football game anyway, but like it was particularly bad. So I don't like, I don't know if it, with Bailey it's, it's his, his route running need refine needs, needs refinement or if he just like, is not that kind of long speed guy, like maybe say Zane Knipe is, but well, I think you saw at the at the end one of the shots that Andrew, Andrew Mason was on the field and he's got some speed and he got he got a little bit of run at the end of the game. So I, I think that's going to be the role that you right. see him. Be. I, I think they need somebody else that can work the intermediate of the field. And I, th I think that's probably where Jake Bailey is, is really yeah. know, his strong like, suit. That's where I was, was going to go is particularly on that. It was I think it was the third down right before the fourth down conversion. He had Mason and Mason did had beaten his guy and had a, a solid yard of separation. So. I think if they're going to have a guy in need, like they, they need Mason to kind of get there because that would have been a great first career catch. Yeah. Right. Um, if, if there's going to be a deep threat on this team with the situation in the receiver room right now, it, it's going to be him because I think he's probably the guy that they can most rely on to get separation down the field. Uh, so, so hopefully that connection kind of comes together in a hurry because that would open up a whole lot more for this offense. 
Yeah, it would certainly be possible and or uh, a promising sight for sure. And then I think on the offense of the whole, we don't got to uh, drill down on on every everybody. But I think, you know, if you would have told me going into the game that Rice would have scored 34 points in, in regulation. And I, I think you'd brought up to, at, you know, I think it was on the to the top podcast that we did last night. But Rice Rice outscored Middle T- Tennessee 21 to six. Is that right? To end the game. You told yeah. me all those things. I would have felt really good. The quarterback throws four touchdown passes. You you rush for a hundred and what eighty three yards. Oh, and here's one thing. I pulled this up. So the the kind of a conference uh, fact book. Will you? Uh, he, I just want to read you off some numbers. It just because they're a bit bizarre. Rice right now through one game against Middle Tennessee. Caveats, but through all it being equal has the number five rushing offense in Conference USA, the number three passing offense, the number three total offense, the number two scoring offense. Hot this, damn. This Rice, right? <laughs> we were asking questions about whether the offense was, you know, going to come play ball this year and, and make that transition. And it's one game, but through one game, and they turned the ball over. I guess one of them was a, a special teams turnover uh, with uh, Trammell and the Muff punt. But they turned the ball over twice and still put up 34, 34 points. That's yeah. Huge. And, well, and that Middle Tennessee defense is bad. But I don't know. Outside of UAB, who whose defense is good in this conference right now? So and you could make an argument that UAB has some holes. Yeah. So, so like. Yeah, you can say the competition was not great, but it's about the level of competition they're going to get in basically every other game they have this year. So it's it's certainly about the level they're going to get versus Southern Miss on Saturday. So, um, yeah, on the on the whole, I think you have to be really optimistic about the offense. I really liked the run game, especially on rewatching it. Like, I thought the blocking was just so solid every time. Like, they weren't. They weren't blowing people off the ball necessarily, but like they just consistently got a hat on a hat, like all the way across the offensive line and from the the, the tight ends and fullbacks as well. And when you pair that with a, with guys as explosive and slippery as both Kalen and Juma are, and I thought they both ran really well in this game, even if nobody broke a run longer than I think Giovanni Johnson had a 25 yarder early in the game, and that was the long run, and then Kalen had a 20 yarder. Um, they didn't get any of those like 60 yard runs that they would get from Walter sometimes last year, but they were really good at staying ahead of the chains in the run game, which is not something that they've been all that good at as much as that's something that Bloom wants to emphasize. It's not something they've been great at. Oh, like this running game has not really been super efficient in the first two years of this coaching staff. So I, w- I was really pleased with what I saw, even if they weren't, you know, breaking off explosive runs time after time, like, you know, you you take that run game and you just add like a functional passing game to it, which is, I, I think you can say that the passing game was functional on Saturday, even if there were things At we least. didn't like about it. Yeah. So like, you know, I, I was reserving judgment about the offense all off season because I just, I, I needed to see a Rice quarterback, like actually look good before I was ready to go all in, but I'm, I'm kind of in on this offense. I, 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 I really feel considerably more confident after this one game than I did, you know, two, three weeks ago. Yeah. And rice rice stayed committed to running the football. And that's something last year that I know a lot of people got frustrated with was not, not quite telegraphing, but like, they're going to come out first play of the drive. It's probably going to be a run. Like just, just so you know, and, uh, you know, a lot of the times that was a one or a two yard run last year. Rice was getting four and five yard runs and they were having positive plays on first down. And, you know, Juma, he, he looked great. He probably no, the best we've seen him since he had that wild game against Old Dominion uh, back in, in 2018. And I thought this was so we didn't see uh, much of Kalen Griffin at least early in the game because, you know, Juma was doing well and, and mm-hmm. he's clearly going to be the feature back. But. When Kalen did come in, I believe it was right in the middle of the fourth quarter, he took a ball just straight up the middle, going to run through people for a 10-yard first down. And I had the thought, I'm like, man, how nice is it? 
that you have someone that's as athletically gifted and strong and powerful that can come in in the fourth quarter and just blow through people. I was like, that's nice. Then he went 20 yards straight up the middle on the very next play. And at that point, I was like, oh, (laughs) if these two guys can stay healthy and the line keeps playing at that level. They had an 18 yard drive that they converted third downs and moved the chains. This offense, like during the offseason, we were saying, like, can this offense go from bad to like, okay? And I think we checked that box. Now the question is, where are they going to finish? Because, you know, right now they're a top five offense in Conference USA. And after watching that game on Saturday, I could see it. Yeah, I mean, they like. <laughs> like all they need is is to hit and they don't need to be a, a super. Like explosive offense, they don't need to be you know, hidden, hidden place down the field constantly, but like just a couple of those a game. And this is, this offense is going to be really good. Like, like, you know, relative to conference USA. And that is, I I think is more than I was willing to hope for uh, going into the season. Yeah. Like I was so pleased with the efficiency. They had, they had scoring drives of eight, nine, 10 and 18 plays to go along with a couple. I, I think, Two of their late touchdown drives were five and six plays. But how many 10-play scoring drives did Rice have last year? I don't think it was a lot. Huh. I I bet you I I could find that out in the the stat sheet. But it would, yeah. I mean, well, so it was hard because they didn't really have a ton of drives that were four-play drives. Like that didn't really happen last year either. So I'd imagine yeah. that most of there, but 18, you're taking it to an entirely different level when, when you get to that. So, yeah, I mean, lo and behold, like all of those adjustments worked. As, as far as I can tell, like that's everything you could have hoped for with the, uh, the season starting. So, uh, I'm I'm very optimistic about the offense. I I think it's only fair that if I'm I'm looking up the the conference standings right now uh, in pass defense efficiency, Rice ranks 13th. Mm. Which uh, just for the record, this is not counting the Old Dominion team that is not playing. <laughs> hey, so that's yeah. not good. <laughs> um. Scoring defense 11th, total defense 10th. Uh, that pass defense as a whole gave up 333 yards. It, it was not great. Um, yeah. I, I certainly, I was disappointed. Especially, I think the the frustrating part for me, so the, giving up the yards and the touchdowns, like, was was... I'm not going to say understandable given how, how many injuries and, and what they were rolling with on the back end. Uh, but it, it was for me, I, th- I think Bloomgren said in his, his media availability on, on Tuesday, I think they had four third and 18s or longer that were converted through the air. That was the killer for me. Yeah. That's and, bad. I, and in getting him like just, you had that deja vu, please don't let it be when Asher O'Hara is driving the field and with 25 seconds left on the clock, like, uh, I don't, 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 don't get the field goal. Uh, but you kind of like in your gut, like, I don't know from what I've seen, if it's going to not happen. Uh, but the getting, allowing for wide open receivers on third and 20, like I can, I can live with breaking in the new guys and, you know, learning on the fly and there being some adjustments, but you can't give up third and 20. And and if you do, you can't give it up three times. Yeah. So, I like I said, I did end up feeling better about the secondary after I went back and watched it. Like, I think my initial impressions after the game were like, "Oh, the freshmen got picked up so picked on so much. Like they were, they just weren't ready. Like they, I don't know. They they gave up. They gave up all these passing yards to. Uh, I referred to Asher O'Hara as. Conference USA Tim Tebow. Uh, 
not exactly known for his prowess as a passer. Um, but after watching it again, like, you know, not to cop out too much, but I would say that O'Hara actually had a really good game throwing the ball. Like, a couple of those conversions were times where he made really nice throws into tight coverage. Um, the receivers played well, too. I wasn't as down on... So, like, Sean Fresh, uh, there had one play early where it looked like he got lost on a double move. Um, and there were probably some other plays where we couldn't see what was going on in the TV that, that they had bus from, from him or Gabe Taylor. Um, but like, I don't know, fresh played pretty well on the whole as a true freshman in his first game. Like, uh, he's really athletic and, and really physical. And in a lot of his snaps, just, I mean, they just trusted him to sit out there on a total Island in man coverage. And he stuck to the guy. Like he's, he's, you would not have want him wanted to play him in this situation, get him this start in his in his very first collegiate action. But considering that circumstance, I thought he acquitted himself well at times. Um, Miles McCord was pretty solid. He fell down on in single coverage on MTSU's. Uh, what was that? Yeah, that was the touchdown right before the half. But other than that, they kind of didn't throw at him all that much. Um, I actually thought in the first half, especially the corner that had the worst day was Trajan Devones. Um, and he kind of got better a little later in the game. The whole defense got better later in the game. Um, yeah, and Devones was a guy, he wasn't on the depth chart heading into the game. And I saw him working out with the team and uh, in, in, in the pregame. And, and so he was able to give it a go. So I don't I don't know the story behind him on, on whether or not he's dealing with something. You know, that would certainly make you feel a little bit better if he was kind of yeah. hobbled uh, and still able to go. Um, so I don't know, but I think from what I saw during the game, uh, I, I was able to see kind of Devones, Fresh and McCord. They kind of put all three guys in, uh, for most of the snaps. I don't know if I saw Chris Boudreaux, uh, which is probably a good thing. No, since... yeah, they, they <laughs> rotated between those three at the outside corner spots. Um, Kirk Lockhart, they had playing the other safety spot with, with pretty Calderon. I thought he was really good. He had like 12 tackles. Uh, they had him playing and basically playing as the nickel, the nickel back. A lot of the time he was, he was usually covering the slot receiver. Um, Rice says some of that is dictated formationally. Like sometimes they'll have Trey Sean on that guy. Sometimes they would have, they didn't usually have Prudy on that guy, but sometimes they would just as a matter of, but on the whole, it was usually Kirk at that spot. Um, and I thought he was pretty solid. Um, like, I mean, one of MTSU's passing touchdowns was, I think they were in cover three. Bloom said something about like, uh, we made all these mistakes. Like when we're in cover three, we need to, we need to get, we need to get deep and not get beaten deep because that's like the number one thing you're not supposed to do in cover three. Um, and I think that's what may have happened on, on one of the TDs where, but it was, I mean, it was Treshawn playing corner on that side and, and, and Treshawn was, was the deep safety. And there was basically just like a bust between the two of them was that was how that guy got wide open and free. So like that was not a freshman not doing his assignment. That was like two of Rice's best players in the secondary or or one of the two of them messed up and allowed a TD on that play, which is annoying, but also it's like you trust those guys in particular to be better about that in the future. So my optimism here, like the results on the whole were not good, but like one, they made adjustments and got a lot better during the game itself. And two, like, a lot of that stuff is fixable. Like, if you could have cut out the, like, obvious bus and just had some freshmen making freshman mistakes or inexperienced players making inexperienced mistakes, like, that's a level of play that I would take. And I don't know, like, you think about it on the whole, even with all that, MTSU basically scored 24 points on offense in regulation. Like yeah. they got they got seven from from the fumble return and uh, the they had one field goal where the defense had a great stand at the goal line. After, and that was because after Austin Trammell's fumble, they got immediately to like the two yard line on the next play and then had three plays inside the five to score and couldn't punch it in. Um, so like if just a couple of dumb things go the defense's way bounces. 
<laughs> too soon, yeah. too soon. Yeah. Um, like, you know, we're coming out of that game after Rice has like has won the game by like 10 points. And we're like, well, there's some issues in the defense, but, you know, with all those new players, it was all right. Like, so they definitely have things that they need to fix. And anybody that they get, like, if Naeem's back, like, I definitely feel like, I think he's just a little rangier and more extinct, more instinctive than Prudy is. Like, there were a couple times when, like, actually, MTSU had a lot of success where they specifically schemed to get, like, backs and tight ends on Antonio Montero. And Antonio's a great player, but, like, he's not someone that's going to be, like, elite in in one-on-one coverage so it's a good job by them of getting that matchup um and a couple times where they managed to do kind of the same to prudy but like i don't know you live with that underneath stuff and like if you can get just like one or two of the guys back in the secondary like if you get naeem back in a couple weeks or something like that and the the other guys that they have to play continue to grow like i, I think they'll be all right like i'm not even as poorly as that went if you're just looking at the stats, like I feel better about, I'm not, I'm, I'm off the panic button on the secondary. Like I don't feel great about it, but I'm off the panic button, which is not where I was a week ago. Yeah. And and that's great news. And I, and I think, you know, you, you mentioned Kirk Lockhart. So he had 12 tackles in his career uh, coming into the middle Tennessee game. And he had 12 in the middle Tennessee game. So that's, that's pretty good. Uh, Freshman, or I guess, I guess sophomore now. Uh, stepping up in in a, a big spot, and I knew with Naeem, you know, Bloomgren said this week he was day to day. I I didn't see him out on the practice field on Monday, uh, so you know, I it's one of those things. As soon as I see him like in pads, like this is if you if you need a reason to subscribe on Patreon and and check out the practice updates, like I might just take a video of me like spinning around in circles in, in the bleachers with Naeem on the field, because I think the element <laughs> that he like, I think you point out, like, I feel good. Like the guys that Rice has are talented. Uh, it, but the thing with Naeem that I, that I really, really like is he brings a a range like he's, you know, we talk about Blaze being able to get all over the field like Naeem can be anywhere. Like he just he doesn't yeah. get put out of place and he he corrects if he does take a bad step. He corrects so quickly and he's kind of a field general, you know, whereas like you put him back there and and he is, you know, calling calling everything and, and can see the whole field and is, is calling things out. You know, it pretty it was a, a reserve last year and, and that's just kind of has a different role on this team. Like he's a very good safety, uh, but I just like the complete package that that Naeem brings so if, if right. I could I want everyone back but if I could if we could get Naeem back I think as a whole for this defense I, I think you see you know maybe one or two less busts and the against Middle Tennessee one or two less busts has Rice winning that game by two scores yeah like if they could get Naeem back and you know it's a rotation between him and Lockhart and and Sean Chamberlain when he's he's playing more as a safety and getting Prudy a little bit in there. Like we are all very excited about Gabe Taylor. He's very athletic. He's got so much potential. He, he was great in camp as a freshman, but he was the one I could tell most of all. That's like, this is a true freshman who is really not quite ready for this. Um, he got turned around a couple times and had one bad play where he, he tried to push a guy out on the sideline and didn't get him out and, and gave up an additional 10 yards or so. Um, so it would be great to be able to kind of let him learn the ropes a little bit and not have to be pressed into as much action as he did on Saturday. Um, but if you know, just just give me one of those. Give me one of George and Naeem. Give me one of those safeties back, um, and and I'll feel pretty good about the secondary. Just making our wish lists. Yeah, I mean, uh, all, all in all, I, I think. I agree. Taking a step back, you know, watching the game in the moment, uh, I was really just bummed out about the, the secondary. Not I maybe mean, not su- uh, too surprisingly. I, I kind of like was bracing for kind of rough awakening. But, you know, after going back and, and, and watching the game and, and kind of looking through the film room and some other things like I, I do, I, I think Asher O'Hara like. We got to remember in the offseason, we'd put him at the number two quarterback in this conference. And he's yeah. done it before. And it's it's 
he had a rough start, but so did the entire Middle Tennessee offense. And it took him a while to get going. And the last couple games uh, out against uh, North Texas, and then they beat, they beat FIU, who is not great, but they've, the offense has looked a lot better. And it has been the Asher O'Hara show, but Asher O'Hara has been really good. So I, if you're telling me, like, I would feel a lot different if this was, you know, the UTSA game last year, where Lowell, Lowell Narcisse, out of nowhere, like throws for 250 yards and a couple touchdowns. Yeah. Like if you're telling me Astro O'Hara throws for 300 yards and a couple scores, you know, even a good, like fully healthy rice defense, like, you know, in college football, especially like a good offense will beat a good defense a lot of times. And it doesn't yeah. mean the defense isn't good. So all in all, I, I feel pretty good. I, I, I feel much better after the fact. And, and I like the matchup with a, a, a more hobbled <laughs> Southern Miss team yeah. this weekend. Uh, and, and the last thing, I'll, the last thing I'll say there is that, again, think about, like, yes, the 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 stats are bad, but the way in which they got those passing yards, this is not like a 2018 where you were constantly just looking up and there was a receiver streaking away down the field and a Rice DB five yards behind him, desperate to catch up. Like they didn't, they they weren't they weren't giving up these yards because they were they had inferior players like they had some experienced guys make, make, you know, first game type mistakes. And they had some inexperienced players make the mistakes that inexperienced players make. Like these were things that can get fixed. This is not a talent deficit. Yeah, absolutely. And it kind of answers one of our, our questions, you know, going into the, into the game, we're like, what's better to, to go in with, with no game experience and you're six weeks behind or to have, you know, six weeks of, of film for the other team to, to study, but you've had six weeks of practice. And I think, I think, I don't think it's too surprising, but we've answered uh, the question. Yeah. I think it's always better to have the game experience because you could, you could tell who was playing in their first game. And I think if Rice and Mid Middle Tennessee play at the end of the year, <laughs> Rice has, you know, Rice, cleans up some of those mistakes like could be a lot different out outcome yeah that's not how it's going to happen we have a, a harder road ahead than middle tennessee every game actually will be probably more difficult than middle tennessee uh but you know i think this is going to be a better team i think they're going to make that jump yeah well and now we move to rice's second game uh but southern miss is on their third head coach so that's a that's an interesting situation. Not that's ideal. A, the interim to the interim is that's a not something you see a whole lot. No, and it just kind of underscores how weird this season has been for Southern Miss. Just to the fact that like you get to the interim interim and I, I this is funny because you know I feel bad because you know most people don't think about the the SIDs and, and the sports information departments rather that that are kind of behind all of these releases right and everything that has to go out through the university that acknowledges you know all of the chaos because <laughs> if you're you or me on Twitter we can just be like ha 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 this is ridiculous but the school can't say that and, and I don't know if you yeah. caught the release <laughs> from Southern Miss that announced uh, Scotty Walden leaving for the Austin P job. Uh, it was literally and a, a lot of times this is like, you know, like it's not like uh, all flowery and like we wish him the best and stuff. But it was literally like two sentences of Scotty Walden is no longer with the team. And this guy has been promoted and he's the new interim. <laughs> it's just so much just like about as about as close to this crap is ridiculous as a sports information department can officially say. Yes, the exasperation reading the statement <laughs> was just kind of like, are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> but yeah, so they're on their third head coach, which I, I did notice if you are uh, if you like to look at the the odds. Rice was a, a three point dog uh, coming into this game when the the week started after Scotty Walden moved on. Uh, the line moved down to one. So apparently the interim coach is worth two points. <laughs> on a betting spread. I guess the head coach would probably be worth th three. So is the interim interim 
one. So if if Tim Billings and, you know, we, we laugh, Scotty Walden wasn't at the last game because of, of COVID. He had COVID and he was quarantined at home. So if, you know, heaven forbid, uh, Tim Billings gets COVID and he has to miss the game, does that mean it'll be an even money game because yeah. of the coaching losses? <laughs> yeah. We just is, don't know. Is it a bigger, it, like, does the, the drop, is it like exponential? Does the drop increase more as you get to the, like, fourth string head coach? Oh, this is fair. It might go up <laughs> because at that point you're you're calling on like, you know, as soon as you get to once you've used all the coaches that are on the field and they got to come up, you got to call GAs. And how much of a problem is it when, you know, you have a GA, you know, working with your, your wide receivers and your running backs? Yeah, it's the college football equivalent of uh, like the sole survivor scenario where now the secretary of the interior is president. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that Southern Miss is going to get there, but, you know, we have time. <laughs> <laughs> like the game hasn't started yet. And, and you know, and unfortunately for Southern Miss, maybe fortunately for Rice, like it hasn't been just been coaches. Like they had four or five guys on defense uh just basically leave and opt out of the season uh before the year started and then they had uh, quarterback Jack Abraham got caught up in in the uh COVID uh, uh I guess I don't know who had it and who didn't, but he didn't travel with the team. Reading with that what you will when they played Liberty. Uh, Tate Watley came in the backup, and then he got hit and knocked out at the end of the the, the game against Liberty. So we don't really know <laughs> what they're going to be doing at quarterback. We think it's Jack Abraham, but it just if there was like a, a 2020 COVID crazy season, I think Southern Miss has is, is hit all of the cards or all of the dots on the bingo card. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, losing all those guys, you know, particularly with the, you know, they had, I think, opt outs and transfers before the season. Um, that defense is not great. You know, we talked about the MTSU defense is, is not good. This one is uh, this one's worse. They're uh, they're they're both similarly bad against the run. But uh, Southern Miss also gives up almost 300 passing yards a game. So that's a, you know, total defense is not the best stat to go by. But uh Almost 500 total yards a game is probably pretty bad, no matter who you are, no matter what tempo you play. Um, the other thing I noted is that we talked about last week with MTSU that having DBs as all of your leading tacklers is bad. Uh, if you go look at the list of leading tacklers for Southern Miss, they have a few linebackers in there, which is good. But uh, you want to guess how far you have to count down on the oh. list of leading tacklers before you find a defensive lineman for Southern Miss? Well, they did have a at least one prominent guy leave, so you cover like six or seven. Ten. No. Their leading tackler on the <laughs> defensive line is let me check his first name. Terrence Cherry, who has fourteen tackles. He is tenth on the team in tackles. Everyone Ooh. above him is a defensive lineman or a linebacker. Doesn't sound good. Like yeah, it. and if you so we, we I kind of walked through and we I told you the the awesome awesome Rice offense ranks. If we want to just look at the 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 Southern Miss ranks, which you hit on, you know some of the stats. But uh, how many college football teams have played yet with the Big Ten coming back? I think we're at a hundred and hundred one. I think we just crossed a hundred, right? Roundabout. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's just over a yeah. hundred. So uh, roughly 100 college football teams have played yet this year. Southern Miss rakes 96th in total defense and 95th in scoring defense. Yeah, I think I think they're 98th in defensive SP plus. So which is not good. Regular stats, advanced stats, pick a, pick stat. a stat. They're bad at it. <laughs> We have a we're next if this is persists, you know, we're gonna have the, the roost haiku. <laughs> yeah. So you know, it's one of those things that like Rice was able to have their way for the most part against Middle Tennessee, uh, you know, offense versus versus the, the Blue Raider defense. I felt really good. I, I think, you know, I'd like to see uh, maybe a, a run popped out a bit longer like yeah. I, I feel like there's a, a the ability we saw guys get to you know maybe the third level of the defense and and, and get taken 
out by a corner. Like maybe I would like to see one of those guys make somebody miss and, and, and bust something out. But I, I think on the whole, you know, is I feel like this is the most cliched coaching thing, which is kind of worry about us. We got to play our game, make our adjustments and, you know, it'll all work itself out. But I really do feel like, especially watching the middle Tennessee game, I thought, the reason that middle was in that game at the end and the reason rice had to come back is because rice made mistakes. Yeah. Uh, Like middle middle made a lot of good plays and like deservedly. So like they won the game because they were more consistent and made less mistakes than rice did. Uh, But I I thought of the efficiency pieces, I thought, you know, the offense left a lot on the field and I thought the defense did too. I think both of those were on the, maybe the lower bound of what we can expect from from a rice offense and a rice defense uh this year maybe the the, the offense was a little bit up, most or middle or upper tier i don't know but the defense certainly and and i think if you get both of those units uh in austin trammell like sure-handed austin trammell like he's not gonna muff another uh kick like <laughs> yeah that was just unheard of if if you get those things corrected i think you're looking at a team that is just much more complete than southern miss yeah, like I don't you sort of you you made this point earlier and it, it's one that I've really harped on a lot lately about how these days great offense just beats great defense. Like if an if a college football team has a truly elite offense then especially one that's explosive there's only so much that even a great defense can do to stop them. And this is not that situation. <laughs> uh Southern Miss's defense is not great. I would not call Rice's offense great, but we think it's pretty good. But I think the same sort of principle applies in that Rice doesn't have to put out some extraordinary effort on offense. They just need to clean up the mistakes that they had last week. And even with those mistakes, they still scored 34 points last week against a defense that was probably a little bit better than this one is. So just play your game and play clean, and there's no reason you can't put up 35 38 even 40 plus points on this on this team and hey the defense wasn't as good last week as it was all of last year but if you give this team 38 points in regulation I still feel really good about their chances to win a game and I'm starting to get to the point like I know it's a one game sample size like we, we still have a lot to see we still have some things to improve on but like I'm getting to the point where I feel like I feel confident in this offense to put up points as long as they're not facing like a great defense and this is certainly not a great defense. So, um, yeah, I mean, last year they, they, they weren't able to, to sustain drives. They weren't able to convert on third down. I think they had one of the worst conversion rates on third down in the conference and, and they didn't make explosive plays. And I, what we saw against middle Tennessee is they made explosive plays. They stayed ahead of the chains on first and second downs and they converted third downs. And and that's something that like to do all of those things in concert to win the early downs, convert on third down and make explosive plays. I I have a hard time seeing an offense that can do all of those three things and say it's not going to score like, yeah, there's going to be days, games where the the explosive plays aren't there. There's going to be games where you just can't win on third down. But if you're doing the other things well, the points are going to come And if Rice this bad Southern Miss defense, if Rice gets a five touchdown day, just total against Southern Miss, Rice is going to end week nine with the number one or two scoring offense in Conference USA. Hot damn. That feels good. (laughs) (laughs) And we are going to trumpet it from the mountaintops. Because that's incredible. Yeah, after after what after they had losing the, their entire receiver core, yeah, minus Austin Tramp. And after what they had, like, the first... Because on, like, a... You know, we ended last season on a high note and felt good about it, but I think on a, like, points-per-game basis, which I know is not the best measure overall, but for comparing a team that's operating at a sem- similar tempo year-to-year, it's not the worst. Like... Wasn't Rice slightly higher in points per game in 2018 than they were in 2019? Like, uh, if it's if I not, think, then, they were not, roughly it was about very the same. similar. It was very similar, and neither of those were great offenses. I think they averaged less than 20 points a game both years. Yeah, like, I think it was somewhere around 18 and 17. 
like to immediately turn around the next year and yeah, you know, you're not playing any power five teams that are going to artificially depress that total or anything like that, but to come back around and then immediately have what looks like it could be one of the best offenses in the conference. That's nice. Yeah, and if, nice. You think, if you think about it, Rice scored, uh, did they score, they scored 28 points against Middle Tennessee, I think they before halftime, did they add a, a field goal in the second half? I, I think they was right, they was, it was a one-half show. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. And then North Texas, it was 20 points before half, and, and then UTEP, most of their, actually that was a, a 14-13 game, they were losing... I believe it at halftime and, and came mm-hmm. back. So I had to put 31 points against middle Tennessee last year, 20 against North Texas. Both of those were very front loaded. The UTEP game rice played better offense in the second half than they did the first. Those are three like half games from the offense. We saw a complete game. Not perfect, but complete. Yeah. Like, and man, if you, if, you know, we were talking to the off season. If you can give me 28 points a game with the defense that we think rice has, Rice is going to be in every game. If you give me 35, there's no Rice should be leading after at halftime in every yeah. game. I'll take it. I've yeah. talked myself yeah. in. We keep going. Rice is <laughs> Yeah, no, we're we're going to have Rice in a New Year's <laughs> 6 bowl if we if we drag this pot on too much longer. So maybe we should quit while we're ahead. Um but yeah, I feel like and especially cuz like this was our one question, right? Like, uh, I uh, when we were on to the top talk this week, I I, I sort of por- poked fun at the the Rice fans who remember the Southwest Conference era and are are dissatisfied with the win totals in the Bloomgren era, which is odd because uh, when were Rice's win totals ever impressive when they were in the Southwestern Conference? Spoiler alert: it was like 1965 and earlier. Uh, you know, real, real solid, real long, prolonged rough patch for about 30 years. Uh, Back when in my in day, conference. some Rice fans will say. Yeah, but that this was the one question that I had as as a fan and alum is that, OK, I like what this staff has brought. I like what they're doing in recruiting. I like the approach that they're taking, the identity they've built for the program. But I definitely had some doubts. It's like, well, uh, Everything seems great, but at some point they got to start scoring points. Like even as much as they want to go low tempo and grind it out and win defensive battles and play the style that they're playing, at some point you got to score points. And they weren't great at that the first two years. And I was a little worried, you know, taking another grad transfer at quarterback and like, you know, at some point you have to have proof of concept on the field. And Maybe it's silly to be this all in on it after one game of this season, but I'm kind of all in on it after one game this season. Well, and, and, you know, kind of just to be fair, we talk about small sample size. College football is a sport of all small sample sizes. And 2020 college football is the epitome of that, where Rice has six games on their schedule. So one sixth of a season that's a pretty good feel. Once we get one more game, if if Rice can go out there and do this again against Southern Miss and and have an efficient functioning point scoring offense, then then one third through the season, I think you have to say that Rice has a good offense. And we've lost a lot of Conference USA teams this year that don't. At least not to that uh, that degree. So uh, so far, you know, I and we we will have plenty of time to dissect this of what this season means and how you evaluate whatever this weird stuff is. But if we can come out of this year, regardless of how this plays out, and we can say, hey, we already knew Rice could play defense. Like, that was never, never a doubt. Like, Brian Smith is a wizard on on, on everything that he does and touches. Uh, but if you tell me that Rice can can play offense too and throw the ball, like, like I hope I like believe they can run four passing ball. touchdowns. Yeah, they really did that. What? What? <laughs> you just need consistency. Yeah. Like, and it's you can't you can't get consistency until you like do it. Like it has to happen first for you to do it again. So this was the first step in happening. So I I, I guess we're both uh, pretty confident when it when it comes into to the game at Southern Miss this weekend, and I'm I'm really optimistic to see. 
uh, what they go in and do. I, I really do feel, and you kind of got this sense when Rice went into Middle Tennessee last year, even though they hadn't won a game, that that things were going to break at some point. Uh, you know, that was right off the the Southern Miss games and the Marshall games where the offense just, it just wasn't clicking. Uh, and they had the quarterback injuries and everything was a mess, but, but they got Tom Stewart back and, and Rosner just went off and it took them to the next level. And this could be one of those moments where like, you know, I, the offense, you know, is kind of waiting for, for that breakout game, which as good as they were, like, you know, like there was no 50 yard touchdowns. <laughs> There was almost, I think if, yeah. if he would hit uh, Andrew Mason, I think Mason could have taken that all the way. But, mm-hmm. you know, we'll, we'll save that one for this game. <laughs> so called it. Andrew Mason, 50-yard touchdown. Let's Write it do down. It. The last, the missing piece. And then, uh, and then we'll, you know, ride the Rice Owl's best offense in Conference USA train. Is that that where this is headed next? That's the next uh, yeah, stop I think on the line. We, we are the, well, I guess, do we have, is one of us the conductor and the other the engineer? I, I don't yeah, have something like train that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> metaphor baked in yet. We'll get there. I, I you know, I would love to get there. But uh, overall, yeah, I think positive about Middle Tennessee, all things considered, kind of really upset. <laughs> I don't know if that's the right word, but that Rice didn't win. Like I, yeah. I, I've, I finally got to that point. I wasn't there at the beginning uh, of 2019, especially with the non-conference slate. But even even losing the, I mean, I'm like the Southern Miss game they they lost last year was the one score affair going in the fourth quarter was really close, and I was yeah like like oh man they didn't win, but I was not I wasn't upset. Like I feel like if Rice, if if that kind of game happens this year where it's 13 to six, I'm gonna be upset. Which maybe is a, right. a, t- yeah. a typifying, you know, the growth that we have seen, even though that was only what, like five actual games ago. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely it feels good to have these expectations. And and we knew going into the season that this was in some ways it was put up or shut up time. And. You know, they're 0 and 1 and then and ultimately 0 and 1 is 0 and 1 so the results aren't there yet but i think we're seeing that the this team is capable of producing results that live up to those expectations i feel really confident in saying that so let's go out there and sat on saturday and then and, and hope they validate those expectations yeah and uh break down the uh, first rice win of 2020 Looking forward to it. Well, all right. That'll do it for us this week, I think. Thanks for sticking with us. Uh, let's uh, let's get this W on Saturday and uh, Rice fight. This show was edited and produced by Carter Spires. It features music from Joseph McDade.